one event, one conversation, one ask may be all that's standing between you and the success that you've always dreamed of for yourself and for your community. But when that golden opportunity comes, will you be prepared? My next guest, Naza Shelley, is someone who has turned those opportunities into a million-dollar investment in her company. And she's one of a very small group of minority female-owned businesses who has secured venture capital for her company. Learn how she did it on this episode of Passion and Profits. Welcome to Passion and Profits Without Burnout. I'm your host, Jacob Moore. I'm a speaker, coach, childhood suicide loss survivor, and filmmaker who left Hollywood to follow my heart of service. I've helped tens of thousands of people find the balance in their life between passion and profits. On the show, I'm going to teach you how to build a trauma-responsive, resilient, and impactful community and organization, all without burning out. Let's get started. On today's episode, Nasa shares about the power of networking as a minority leader. There are three key things that you will learn today. The first is how to network with authenticity and the importance of really honoring your values and those of the community that you're serving. The second is really focused on how to give more than you take. We talk about the law of reciprocity, but beyond that, how to make a tangible impact in the community that you're serving. And finally, how to be strategic with your ask. This goes beyond knowing the right person who can do the right thing and really goes to a level of preparedness that I haven't even thought of. It was an aha moment for me and a very valuable lesson. Naza Shelley is the co-founder of Carpe Diem Dating, a matchmaking service for black women and for those who want to have meaningful relationships with them. She's a lawyer turned entrepreneur who has found some fantastic success with her business. And she talks about her journey and what it took to get there on today's episode. Hey, Neza, how are you? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? So good to see your face. Uh, last time I saw you, we were in Los Angeles hanging out. It was beautiful and sunny. And uh, man, private mansions and pools. <laughs> it was good times. We were living large. Um, since then, you have done some incredible things with your business. Can you fill our listeners in on your company and just this amazing journey that you've been on? Ooh, I can. <laughs> so. Um, for professional Black women who have a harder time finding love online than almost any other ethnic group, our company Carpe Diem provides high-quality vetted matches, expertly curated by a proprietary algorithm, hand-selected by a personal matchmaker, and then conveniently delivered by our patented video-based dating app. Now, when we met, <laughs> we had a different story. We were a video-first dating app. Um, we had a patented video matching process that we still use today, but we were really a freemium model service that was open to anyone. Um, and so we were kind of like, you know, whatever, fill in the gap dating app 
but yep. like video first. And now we're a completely different uh, concierge matchmaking service powered by a dating app. And we really focus on um, what we believe to be a woefully under leveraged and underserved market within the dating space, which is black women, just like myself. Yeah. So that's where we are today. And it's been a ride. Yeah. And it's been really beautiful to see just observing from afar. Um, you know, I, I catch your updates on LinkedIn and to see the successes. Um, and I, I know you had a big one recently that I, I want you to share with everyone, but it's just been, it's been cool. And, and I was telling you pre-show, you know, I, I really, I admire you and Sally and everything that you've done. It's been incredible to witness your, your success, but what I'm most impressed by is the fact that you just infuse this, this mission and this passion for serving your community in such, such a way that is just like integrity is the word that just comes to mind. Um, that seems to just be infused Thank in everything you. that you do. So I think one of the things that I'm really struck by is the shift in the approach to your app. You know, you started off, like you said, as sort of being for, for anyone in the video first, um, which was really novel at the time. And now you're exclusively focused on serving black women. And I'm really just curious Mm-hmm. What led to that process uh, or, or, you know, what was the process of getting to this point of saying, no, we need to serve this very specific underserved demographic? I would have to say a lot of it is just driven by product market fit for the founder, like founder fit. Like, I mean, the idea to start a dating company really came from my personal frustration trying to find love online. And, you know, fast forward a year or so later after we initially met, you know, we were entering COVID um, and our existing app was doing pretty good. It was a freemium model service, but we really wanted to figure out, okay, what's next? Like, so we know that people will use video chat. COVID helped prove that out as well. Um, But like, what does an entire service look like and who are we going to be most passionate about serving? And so we realized that we didn't want to create another dating app that was just like dating apps on the market. Like in looking at how to solve the problems for myself as well as other women, I really felt like we needed a a big shift in the way that singles are interacting with each other on dating services and platforms. And so first I thought if I was from top to bottom going to revamp this, like what would the service that I would want to use look like? And then when it came down to like, who do we actually want to serve? We know that like we were going for a subscription model service. We wanted to bring so much value that people would want to pay for it, pay for it immediately. Right. But then we also looked in the market and we said like, who actually needs the service? Right. So we're, we know that we're entering a market that's competitive, that there are a lot of other apps that there's, you know, dating market is saturated. So how do we further differentiate ourselves from people and the other existing dating apps? And so it kind of just struck me like I'm experiencing this problem. Yeah. I wonder if other black women like myself were experiencing this problem. I started asking my friends and they were, I started doing research and just realizing how awful it is to date online as a black woman for so many reasons. And so 
you know, it just really lit this fire that like, if I can solve this problem, not just for myself, but, you know, millions of other black women who deserve these meaningful relationships, then I would really consider what I'm building to be worth the worth my time, like my life to be dedicated to it. Yeah, I think that's really beautiful. And again, just a testament to the integrity, you know, through which you've approached your business. And, you know, I, I think as a, a fellow entrepreneur, you know, it's often counterintuitive to limit your market scope to say, I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. include less people in this group and narrow right. um, this group, you know, but like, this is proof it, it's working. It's, it is um, driving success mm-hmm. for you. And um, you've, you've had a really uh, big win recently. Can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, so we current, we recently closed our pre-seed round. So we raised over a million dollars in uh, funds from venture capitalists. And so it's a big deal because very few people do it in general, but mm-hmm. a very small amount of um, black women have done that. Um, and women founded in minority companies. My co-founder is Syrian American. And so uh, in doing that, we joined the less than 1% of black female founded companies that have raised um, institutional capital at all, let alone over a million dollars in that capital. So um, it's a bittersweet like win for us <laughs> because it's like amazing to do it. And it is really hard, um, but it shouldn't be this hard. And the number of black females in that category should be, should not be so small. Yeah, I would agree, Neza. And um, having looked into, you know, the VC route um, myself for my business, I was like, oh, that's really daunting. Um, You know, bootstrapping is hard, but that looks real hard. Um, But I I would imagine, you know, the obstacles that you, you face, you know, are just, so much greater and um and and i i can't comprehend it because i've i've not had that experience right i come from a a completely different um mm-hmm. you know place of privilege where i've just i've i've never experienced that um and so i i think what i'm really interested in in digging into um is like the success is is fantastic and it's amazing um what I think is really fascinating is the how. And, and and I think for our listeners, that's what I really want to share with them today is, you know, how did you make that work? What, what was, was the secret formula um, to, to gain the success? And, you know, you shared a little bit about the fact that, that networking um, and doing so very strategically has been, uh, been a big part of that. Um, can you share a little bit about um, that approach and, you know, sort of how you started down this path of being able to make connections that resulted in a million dollar investment? Yeah, you know, so many points to, and threads to pull on there. So, you know, absolute, first and foremost, anybody listening, you know, Jacob, your first point that it's daunting is true and it's not for everyone, right? So, anyone who's starting a business and you're an entrepreneur, if you're able to just get to revenue and grow your business 
like you can do it that way, right? And there's no, there's nothing wrong with not having to raise capital. Um, yeah. If you have a big, big idea and it caught and it takes a lot of funding to kind of grow that idea and get it out the door, then that makes uh, potentially VC like a good route for you to go. Yeah. Um, but don't think that like doing it the old fashioned business model way is a bad idea either. Um, when it comes to networking, I always tell people that, you know, you know, your network is akin to your net worth, right? Mm. Like you grow as an individual and as a company based on the network that you have. And that's because there are conversations that are happening between people all the time, right? Powerful people, people who just happen to know each other. And if you have a strong network, your name comes up in those conversations, mm. right? So that's the beauty of investing in your network in a way that's qual that's based on quality and meaningful is that your name starts to come come up in conversations and it brings you into spaces that you otherwise would be shut out of and as a minority founder that is even more important right and so sometimes and it's not right and it's just the way that it really is you need a cosign right you need someone to say Hey, like I was talking to this founder, you know, and I think that she would be great for you to like bring into this deal or mm -hmm. into this meeting or for you to let her pitch you on her company and consider her for funding, right? That's how these deals are made. It's not by like, you know, uh, just sending a cold email. It's because investors love a warm lead. They love a lead from somebody else that they trust, that they, um, you know, trust their judgment. And that's how you get those meetings um, and get into those in those spaces. And so that's why I lean into networking, but it's not networking just to advance yourself, right? I think as minority founders, um, it's important for us to network so that we're in the position to advance each other and other people. And so for me, I take it as a personal responsibility to like bring other people up with me, whether or not that is introducing them to my network, um, you know, making calls for them, whatever it is I can do. If I see that you're busting your butt and that you're working and that you're trying to build something, if I'm able to help you, then I'm going to do it. And so it really has multiple purposes, but absolutely. I know that, you know, some of the capital that we got was because, was it was all because of networking, right? It was because we met someone who um, invited me to our first check. I met someone who nominated me for a CEO forum. In that CEO forum, they had speakers come. One of the speakers that came was from Virginia Venture Partners in Virginia, which is the uh, biggest investor in the state of Virginia, and it's a state fund. And so I, because I was in that forum, I was able to talk to the lead at Virginia Venture Partners, and they were our first money in. And once that mm -hmm. money came in, it really eased the way for the rest of the money came in. And those principles at that firm made calls for me to principals at other firms, right? I was still working my network, but they are then invested in my success. So then they are then opening up their network um, to me in order to help me close my round. And so that's what I mean about the power of, of networking. It could just be that one genuine conversation that you have. Right. And it could be that one event that you like push yourself to go out to for drinks because you just need to go. Um, and so, but always be on the lookout for, you know, how you can make genuine connections with people and kind of build from there. Yeah. I, I think that's really a testament to, um, as you said, you know, networking with authenticity, uh, but also, you know, really 
being strategic with those conversations, uh, understanding that the ripple effects mm -hmm. can grow to, mm -hmm. you know, include then those other networks that you never maybe thought possible. Um, I think that's a, that's a great lesson. And I, I, I want to also point out that, you know, you're very smart and you're very strategic in the way that you're doing this, Neza, because you, you're doing something novel and unique that's not been done. Um, certainly not in this way. Mm -hmm. um, one could argue old school matchmaking, uh, maybe with a, with a new, um, new spin, right? But um, I, I think going in and having your, knowing who you're serving, having your pitch down, being able to, you know, present that in elevator form or in long form, uh, you know, any given, like I see it on your socials and your messaging is consistent. It's clear. And, you know, every single time I see Carpe Diem pop up or I see you pop up or Sally pop up, it is like, I know exactly what you're communicating. And that again, it's, it's really admirable. Um, and it's challenging to do it, You make it look effortless, but being on the other side and knowing the, the hustle to network, making it look effortless and like you are sort of floating through this process takes an incredible amount of skill. We're not floating. <laughs> you know, I, um, I work for a judge, uh, Chief Judge Anna Blackburn Rigsby at the D.C. Court of Appeals. And one of her favorite sayings was, be like the duck on the pond. Yep, there you go. Right? The duck on the pond on the top is just gliding and effortless. Underneath, them feet are paddling, yep. right? Yep. And so it's like can you do that? So how do you translate that into your life so that you're working, but you know, on that upper level, like it looks effortless. So I'm glad that in some way, shape or form, I'm embodying that lesson that she taught me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, another thing that I'm struck by is, um, this idea that you shared of, um, you know, giving more than you take and bringing people up with you. Um, mm -hmm. to me, that is, that's one of our core values at five bridges. One of the bridges is give, um, for that reason, I think it is, it's so important to give back and we know the reciprocity of that is also, uh, beneficial for ourselves. Um, can you share a little bit about that, you know, yeah. that ethos that, that is with Carpe Diem and your approach? Yeah. And just, I want to be very clear my passion for like giving back was something that I learned um, from self-reflection as thinking about the type of person and entrepreneur, but really person like I wanted to be, right? And I'm sure Jacob, you can like attest to this just as much as I can. It's hard when you're struggling and you're grinding and you're like in your business day to day and you just need a win and you're not seeing it happen for yourself and you're just seeing it happen for other people. So you see them winning, you see them getting the awards, you see them doing X, Y, Z, you see them getting the, the acting gigs. Right. And you're like, like, what am I not doing? Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. in that situation, which every entrepreneur is probably going to have those feelings. I feel like you have two paths, right? 
you can become kind of bitter and kind of jaded. And then you can get like into a hoard mentality, right? Where every opportunity that comes to you, like you hoard, you hoard your resources because you had to work so hard to get them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you hoard your network. Um, you don't want to tell anybody about anything that's going on. You know, you're applying to a pitch competition. So you're not going to tell anybody else about the pitch competition because you don't right. want you know, them to apply. Or you could have the mentality of what's meant to be for you, no one can take. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you just give freely, you applaud other people's wins, you share your resources and you move in this space with genuine intention and happiness for other people. I was in a space in a time where I was not in the giving I was in the hoarding mentality and I realized that I wasn't happy. Right. And I didn't sure. like being that type of person. Um, and that's not the type of person I want to be. I feel like there's so much, right? Like the world is in some extent so abundant. And so everyone, there's space for everyone to win. Yep. And I changed my mentality and my mindset. And now I operate as someone who tries to give in any situation that I'm able to. So that's just a little bit of background about that. Like how that kind of feeds into Carpe Diem, um, we can get into a little bit more if you'd like. Yeah, and and I think that's beautiful, and I I just want to uh, applaud you for actually, you know, living that out. Um, I was speaking with another guest, C.J. McClanahan, about overachievement and how, um, you know, we get into these sort of like secret competitions with other entrepreneurs or other people, you know, who are having success in their <laughs> their lives, and it's it can be really challenging. And I know, you know, I, I've had that, you know this, this guy on LinkedIn and he's just like, he's always succeeding. He's always celebrating. He, he's just, he's getting press and he's getting accolades yeah. and, you know, and it turns into this, you know, this like the secret competition and, and that hoarding mentality, I think is, is hand in hand with that, you know, instead, like you said, understanding mm-hmm. like, you know, there's plenty to go around and what's meant for you is meant for you. Um, I think is a beautiful way um, to approach something. But I have to say, you know, for me, I I've learned that like we grew up, you know, poor, I lived in a trailer park. We didn't have a lot growing up. And also I've had a a lot of privilege in my life. I would imagine Mm -hmm. being a minority and being in that 1% who has, you know, made this achievement, it's gotta be so hard to break that hoarding cycle and to say, you know, I'm I'm going to live in abundance, even though, like, historically or culturally, that's that's not the case. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not. Um, it's something that I work at every single day, so it is hard, right? Because there's still times today where I'll see something I'm like, "Dang, you know, I went out for that and she got that," and I think in my head, I have two options right now. I could scroll past this post. Right. And, or I could like engage with this post. I can Mm. congratulate this person. I can like share this post. I can, you know what I'm saying? I can amplify their win. And I, the feeling doesn't go away. Right. It's the reaction to the feeling. Like, do you lean into it or do you lean away from it and like into the person that? you want to be and the person that you would want other people to show up for you. And I think that in leaning into a mindset of 
giving, celebrating, and amplifying other people, I have received in return um, more than I've given, right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to people reaching out to me and congratulating me and uh, sharing our messaging and voting for us when I reach out to them to vote for us and just doing things off the strength of a simple ask, which is to me, I feel like the most valuable thing anybody has is their time and no one has to do anything for you ever, right? right? And so I, I think of that as the way that my energy that I put out into the world is like returned to me. And I feel like I get more honestly than I give, but I make a conscious effort to continue to give. I think that's, that's a really fantastic perspective. And, and I, I, I appreciate you having that. And this idea of being strategic with your asks, I think is really smart. Can you share a little bit around that and how that's, really played into being able to, to maybe parlay that into, you know, this, this big win with VC funds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I can definitely say is people want to help people that they think are trying to help themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. So when people see how hard you're working, um, they want to help you. Like they want to help you succeed. Right. And sometimes it's people want to jump on the bandwagon because you're succeeding. And that's something that happens. But for the most part, I really feel like when people see how hard it is that you're hustling towards your, your goals, like they want to help propel you forward. With that being said, in order to demonstrate that you are doing the work in order to move yourself forward, one of the ways that you do that is by being very strategic with your asks of people and your asks of the time that they give to helping you, right? So how do you make them helping you the easiest possible on them, right? Like where it's almost impossible for them to say no, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you asking me to be on the podcast, like you gave me everything I needed. I just had to show up, right? So, you know, I've been in a situation where someone asked me and then they're like, let me know what you think the topic should be. Like, you know, they want you to pretty much plan the entire podcast for them. And you're like, I'm coming to be on your podcast. Like, you can't tell me <laughs> some sample questions or, you know, what I'm saying? like an outline of what we're doing. You can't send me a calendar invite. <laughs> right. And so it's that's what I mean by being strategic and how you're asking people for stuff. You know, we all have very limited time. Like if you um from an investor standpoint, if you would like me to introduce you to investors, the ask isn't. Nisa, um, can you introduce me to investors that uh, invest in XY vertical? That's a lot of work for me. Right. So you want me to then go to my network, figure out who invests in the vertical that you that you need. Then you want me to put together the, the emails. Then you want me to email them out for you. Know, like, no, the ask is, Nisa, I looked in your network. I see that you're connected to Jacob and I want to be connected to him. I've put together a sample email with affordable for you um, with, you know, a link to my, my LinkedIn, my pitch, whatever documentation that you need. Um, are you able to send this to, to him? That's a different ask, right? Than the first one. And that's what I mean about being strategic. You've already done the legwork. You know who it is in my network that you want to talk to. You've put everything. It's hard for me to say no to that, right? Like, I that's like a minute of my work or my time yep. versus the, the first version, which would have taken me a long time. And in my mind is daunting as someone who's building my own empire. Right. And maybe won't take the time to kind of, uh, to do that for you. So 
that's what I mean about being strategic in your ass, showing people that you're putting in the work and that you value their time and, and uh, the effort that they're going to put in to kind of help propel you forward. That is such a fantastic and tangible takeaway. If you can turn an ask into a done for you and just have it right there ready to go, then essentially someone would have to have a very good reason to not follow through on that, right? Make it so simple. Yep. Make it easy. Mm -hmm. And it also makes the person feel good, right? Like you said, it's a done for you. So now I'm like, oh, well, I made that connection. I feel a little bit good about myself too, right? Yep. <laughs> Versus you ask me, I'm like, oh my God, it's been like four weeks and he asked me to do that for him. And I, I didn't get to it. And now another I'm thing dodging on your list. because, you know, I didn't have time to get to it. Right. And so, you know, just being very thoughtful in the way that you engage people with their time, I think is going to take uh, any entrepreneur leaps and bounds versus, um, you know, trying, doing like the can you without like, providing the the work to support the ask. Yeah, that's that's really fantastic. So I, I think um, one thing that I, I really want to touch on before we wrap up here is um, another aspect of Carpe Diem that I love. And that is the really the 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 way that you have approached the matchmaking service, uh, I think is unlike really anything that I've heard out there and and again is is really in alignment with who I know you to be and what you've created you know carpe diem to be um will you share a little bit about your approach to matchmaking and um how you're incorporating um, really I, I I think mindfulness and uh and mental health into it absolutely so you know, you know, Carpe, even Carpe Diem 1.1, we talked about the importance of like mental health. And, you know, even from our standpoint with the video first approach, we thought it was just a much more mindful and like uh, uh, mentally, like from mental health perspective, better way to engage with people, right? Like the texting first, there's creates so much anxiety. And so when we were building um, version 2.0 of Carpe Diem or the evolution of our original platform, we wanted to carry forward that mindfulness. And so when we were looking at the dating industry, like I said earlier, and I wanted from top to bottom to think about all the problems that I actually saw, one of the things that I recognize is that people really need help, right? Like people need help making decisions about who to invest their time and energy in. And when I say they need help, they need more than age, sex, location, photo, Right. Like mm -hmm. that's not enough information in order to determine like, okay, yeah, I should go out on a date with this person. And so we, we endeavored to work with, and we did work with a black female psychologist in order to create our onboarding questionnaire, which feeds our matching algorithm. Mm. And that's why we say our matching process is highly curated. That's one from the algorithm standpoint, from the matchmaker standpoint, man, it's so important to make sure that the matchmakers on our team have high emotional intelligence, amazing discernment, and a passion for helping people make meaningful connections, right? This is something that we look for when we're vetting and trying to determine who to help build our team out. And that's why on our team currently we have therapists, we have emotional intelligence coaches, we have relationship coaches, and people that just really, really love people, right? So they want to see you be, to, 
to see you succeed and to see you have that meaningful relationship. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I'm an attorney turned entrepreneur, right? And so I'm saying this to drive home a point, like why, while I came from very humble beginnings, like from a single mother of three kids, I had already worked my ass off. I was already in the position where I was making six figures. I had a very comfortable life. And so for me, in order to disrupt that, in order to put all my energy behind something like building a startup, which is just so, so hard, I knew that it had to be something that I was very passionate about and that I thought de- deserved like my life's work, right? Mm-hmm. And my life's effort, which is which is why we've been so thoughtful in the way that we're approaching um, matchmaking and engaging with our members, right? We have a mission at Carpe Diem and it's threefold. And it's something that like I try to keep at the front of my mind, you know, 90 to 95% of the time. And that is to elevate black women, I mean, the way that the world, the, the, the energy around black women is, you know, um, it needs to be changed, right? It needs to be improved. And I think that we deserve better. So we want a platform that does that. It's to help create generational wealth in the black community through the creation of strong two parent or two income households. Like black women, we're out here killing it. We're, we're making money. We're doing the things that we need to do, but the fastest way to generational wealth is still to be coupled and have a two income household. And so the small part that we can play in helping um, our community overall is by helping build and create these meaningful relationships. And the last part of our mission is to, we say, give black or give back. I saw that. Um, And we do that by donating 5% of the, (laughs) yeah, we do that by donating 5% of our subscription revenue to organizations doing amazing work in the community, because it's important to us that we're able to also point to other ways that we're helping the community. And so all that being said, there's a lot of thought that goes into not only how we match people with our algorithm and how we employ matchmakers to engage with our members, but then also how we leverage what we're building to support and advance the community on a greater scale. That's really living out this idea that healthy people help create healthy people and relationships mm-hmm. and really approaching relationships in a way that's mindful, helping individuals connect with you know people that share the same values, but then going that step beyond to really mm-hmm. curating you know an opportunity for them to invest in you know building healthy attachment mm-hmm. styles and understanding what it takes to truly have a relationship that you know that is is long term um driven i think is um is is just beyond matchmaking and and i, and I mean i i humbly suggest you know you you <laughs> you 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 share with people that um this is so much more than matchmaking right it's it's setting people up for mm-hmm for successful relationships and, and beyond. That's, that's amazing. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm just really, really very encouraged by how ready so many members of the community are for those healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm a matchmaker. I meet members on our platform all the time when I'm interviewing people to join our community. And I cannot tell you how many times I've heard when we ask like, 
if there's one thing that your partner must know about you for your relationship to be successful, what is that thing? How many times men and women say that I have done the work and I am doing the work on myself and I need someone that is also doing the work and is interested in joining me on that journey. So whether or not that's they're in therapy, they've healed, you know, the traumas of their past and they're working through that. Mm -hmm. They're being self-reflective. They are really being intentional about it and they are looking for a counterpart that's going to match their intentionality. And so to me, if that's the the trend, right? That's is that's the trend that singles are kind of going when they're thinking about coupling and like you know building a future together. That I'm very encouraged um, that you know we can play a small part in helping them find each other. I am as well. And Nisa, you you're going you know one step beyond and offering our listeners. Um, the opportunity to um, check out your services. So for black women or people who want to have meaningful relationships with them, can you share a little bit about um, what you're offering? Absolutely. So for my good, good, good friend, Jacob only, um, I mean, ride or die, you've been there. Um, I, I really want to offer people who are listening to this program and who are interested in learning more about our service and potentially joining our community, a 50% off discount of six months of our service. And um, you can use the code passionprofit50. Um, and that will give you the six, six months, a uh, half off of our six month subscription. So I'm excited to have people who I believe are listening to your podcast are intentional, um, and, you know, also doing the self work and also, uh, hopefully looking for their meaningful relationships. And so I would more than welcome them to apply to join our Carpe Diem community. Oh, that's very generous. Thank you so much. And I, I know that people will, um, love and appreciate that. So thank you. Nisa Shelley, I really uh, value your time and your expertise. Thank you for sharing it with me and with our community. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was beyond my pleasure. My number one takeaway from today's episode is when you are going to make an ask, you'd better be prepared. Have everything someone would need, any objections that you need to overcome already thought of have a done-for-you process already in place so that it doesn't create more work for someone and it's just so easy for them to say yes. And of course, if you have a relationship and you have you know, built a reputation of authenticity, it's going to be even easier. Uh, that, that was a great lesson for me to take away. Um, don't throw away those asks, but really be strategic with them and just make it easy for someone. Another just personal thing that I want to share is when Nasa was talking about this idea of, um, you know, not just scrolling through a feed when something pops up that, you know, brings up, you know, jealousy or a sense of competition. Um, instead, stop, look, engage, celebrate even. Um, that was just a, a, a moment of reflection for me. It was like, oh, I don't, I don't do that. I just keep scrolling and I pretend like I didn't see it and I, you know, like she said, still feel bad about it. Um, instead, let's take away this sense of competition and just really invest in lifting up the whole, the community. And that means quote unquote competitors. So really, really fantastic takeaways and lessons. If you enjoyed the conversation with Nasa as much as I did, please give us a like, share this episode, take a screenshot, let us know your biggest takeaway 
And I just want to thank you for engaging in this podcast and supporting it so much. Thank you so much for your time. And until next time, be well. Thanks so much for listening to Passion and Profits Without Burnout. I hope that you found some impactful takeaways. And if you did, I'd love to hear from you. Share a screenshot on your IG story, tag me, or send me a quick message. This show is for you, so any feedback is welcomed. Hey, and make sure you're also subscribed to the show so you don't miss any of our new episodes. And if you could, take a few minutes to leave me a five-star review. That'd be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening, and be well.